Hallelujah. So this month of June has um, been dedicated, you know, to the subject of finances. And um, our topic for the month of June is Money Masterclass, right, Biblical Keys to Abundance. So everything we're talking about in this month of June is focused on how the believer can live and experience a life of abundance on the earth. But before I go into tonight's message, I want to remind us of God's promise to us as a people, right, between the month of June and the month of August. He has said expressly to us that it is 90 days of increase for us. He said it's our 90 days of increase. And I want you to believe it. You see, what you believe is what you become. And what you expect is what you will experience. So I want you to expect this, that all through the next three months, as we wrap up the second quarter of this year, and we step into the third quarter of this year, expect nothing but increase. Increase in favor, increase in opportunity, right? Increase in open doors, increase in clients, increase in growth, increase in understanding, increase in discernment in the name of Jesus. And one of the things, you know, because every time there's a prophetic word, you know, I always like to find out, you know, by the spirit, what is required, what must be done. Because over the years, I grew up in church, right? And I've seen um, people document prophetic words, but it just never comes to pass in many people's life. You see, you see a lot of people have documented things. Oh, my pastor said this, that this year is my year of bluey. We've not said that. I'm just giving an example, right? Just trying to be humorous. And at the, throughout the year, there is no blowing. The only blowing they say is blow, blow. You know. So, I've come to realize that for every of God's promise, there is always something that must be done. And so, when God said it as the 90 days of increase, I began to check in my spirit what must be done. Now, um, when he said that to me, um, that was um, a couple of days ago, he already gave me my own personal instruction, you see. But I was trusting God for an instruction that, you know, was for the old house. And one of the things that he said to me, and I kept checking my spirit, maybe it was so to have a confirmation. And um, at this point, I can say I'm convinced so I strongly believe that what God will have us do between now and the last day in the month of August, right, is every day for everyone that's going to be a part of it, I can assure you that your life will not remain the same. Every day, right, between 9 p.m. and 9.15, we're going to be prophesying increase every single day. And we're going to be doing that online. I'm going to be leading us in that. It's a lot of responsibility for me to do that. So whatever day it is, 9 p.m., between 9 p.m. and 9.15, just 15 minutes every day, on Mixer and on Instagram at the Gateway NG, right? We're going to pray in tongues for five minutes, and the next 10 minutes, we're just going to speak increase. You see, Numbers 14 and verse 28, God said, as you have said in my ear, so will I do unto you. It is not enough for God to say something. It is more important than you say what he has said. That's what the Bible says. I think it's Hebrews 8 and verse 13. Or maybe 13 and verse 8. He said, he has said so that we may boldly say. The reason why we have God's word is so that we may know what to say. Because it is what you say, not what God said, that will actually come to pass in your life. Until you begin to give voice to what God has already said. You may have a documentation of prophecies, but never see their reality. That's why Jesus said in Mark 11 and verse 23. He said, if you will say to this mountain, be that removed, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that the things you have said will come to pass. He said, you shall have whatsoever you say. He didn't say you will have whatsoever God says. 
There are so many things that God has said about you and I. But you see, the things that we see come to pass, or the things that we can have an assurance of that will come to pass in our lives, are the things that we deliberately and consistently say until we see it come to pass. And the only thing we're going to be doing from now, right, that 9 p.m. to 9.15, every single day. I already told us in the beginning of the year that this is a year of prayer anyway. So I hope someone can say, ah, recalibrate 6 a.m. This is five days, 12 p.m. Another prayer again. <laughs> well, <laughs> you see, when God places a demand on you, it's because he wants to shift your level. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anytime pressure is placed on a, a, an orange fruit, is because orange juice wants to come out of it. Nobody begins to peel an orange fruit if not, if not because you know they want to suck the juice out of it. They want to bring something better out of it. So every time God begins to place a spiritual demand on you, trust me, it's because something is about to shift in your life. I can tell you that from experience and I pray for you that in the remaining days of this 90 days of increase, that God will give you the grace to follow through in the name of Jesus. He will give you the grace to follow through what is required of you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So I want you to set your alarm, set your reminders. That's the best way you can take advantage of it. If you think you're going to remember, you may not remember. Right? So set your alarms and set your reminders and um, by God's grace, we're going to be starting tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because when God speaks, just move immediately. There's no point postponing it. I learned that from Abraham. God told him, sacrifice your son, your only son Isaac. The Bible says, and the, do you know God did not tell him when to do it? Study your Bible. God didn't give him a date. The Bible says, and the next day, Abraham got up. When the Bible tells us that Saul, we eventually became poor when he had his eyes open. The Bible says the moment he had his eyes open, immediately he went into the temple. Same thing with Peter. When he was rescued from death, they had directly given him the date that they were going to kill him, execute him. When he was delivered by the angel, he went to tell his community group, I've been delivered. The Bible says the next thing, he didn't say, ah, I've missed my bed. Let me go and choose more. The Bible says he went into the temple and he began to preach. You need to understand that one of the culture of the kingdom is a culture of urgency. A culture of urgency. Right, if you've listened to our series on understanding kingdom culture, you remember that it's a culture of urgency. All right, so let's go back to our topic on money masterclass. We established on Sunday, in case someone is wondering why we're talking about money in church, and we established that two major reasons number one, because the Bible talks about money a lot. The Bible talks about the finances, the, you know, uh, um, the prosperity of the believer too. Jesus spoke about money a lot. Number three, because it is something that affects our experience on the earth. That's what the Bible also tells us in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 12. It says, for wisdom is a defense and money is a defense. It says, but the excellency of knowledge is that the wisdom gives life to them that has it. Right? So we said that money... It's a critical aspect of our lives. And we live on an economic planet. We must never forget that. Sometimes as believers, we live like an ostrich whose head is buried in the sand. Oh, we think because, you know, um, we have an understanding of the mystery of the kingdom. So, um, what, what is going around us does not matter. Yes, in a sense, it does not matter because it does not affect us. Provided that we superimpose the principles of the kingdom on our physical environment. However, we, uh, the fact that we are walking in faith does not mean we should deny the reality that is around us. So, the fact that you can pray in tongues does not automatically mean you will be wealthy. Or that your needs will be met. Or that you will live a life of abundance. Because 
praying in tongues and prayer even in understanding in itself is not an end in itself. It is a means to an end. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, the Bible says, God speaking. It said, call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. So it simply means when you pray, one of the things that happens is that you begin to receive instructions. That's why I said earlier that every time God gives us a prophetic word in this house, I always try to find out what is my part to play. What is that thing that I must do? Show me what the steps I need to take. Because you can just uh, rejoice over the promises. But if you don't find out what you need to do. For instance, God told the children of Israel. Oh, I'm going to take you to the promised land. You see. And rightly, it was God's word. They were going to the promised land. And they met with the Red Sea. (laughs) You see, if Moses had not called on God. What do we need to do here? They would have died as if they had no promise. I hear what I'm saying. Because Pharaoh was coming behind them to take them back to slavery. So it took a Moses that understood the ways of God. That said, God, what are we going to do now? And God said, stretch forth your rod. I believe you know that if somebody else who went there the next day and stretched the rod, that's it we know part. So it was a specific instruction for that situation, right? That made the ready to part before them. And so you and I need to realize that for God's provision and abundance in our life, there are instructions. There are things that we need to know. And as regards our financial life, right, aspects of our lives, we need to realize that there are certain things that we need to do, right, for you and I to live a life of abundance. Remember, I think, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on Sunday, that money can, no, no, I didn't mention it. But please, I want us to know this. As a believer, realize that money can come to you miraculously. You see, but there is a better way to live. So I can say, ah, it's miraculously not the better one. No, it is not. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. The children of Israel, while they were in the wilderness, God was meeting their needs um, supernaturally, miraculously. Yes or yes? They needed to eat. God rained down food from heaven. They needed to drink water. What did God do? He told Moses, touch the rock. Water flowed. But the Bible says something very instructive. Now, let's look at it, Joshua chapter 5 and verse 12. Because what I said now, I know it's going to get me a lot of attacks in so many religious circles. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 12. Joshua chapter 5. Let's start from verse 11. So, we have, um, I think there's, a, there's something that was said before that. Verse 11, please, if you can have it quickly. All right, the Bible says, And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, on living cakes and parched corn in the self same day. Now, let's read the verse 5th and 12th verse together. One to go. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. If eating manna was God's best for them, why did God stop it? You know why God was feeding them through manna? Because they were in the wilderness. They were in the wilderness. And the reason God was feeding them miraculously was because they could not plant. They could not dig wells in the wilderness because they were in transit. There were times where they were staying in the place for three years, for ten years. They were not even sure how long they were going to be in a particular location. There were times they were in a particular place for one week. Sometimes for a few days. And God would tell them, it's time for you to move. And they would move. So even if they had planted something, they would not be alive to harvest it. Or they would not be there to harvest it. And so the moment they stepped into the promised land, where God had already promised them. The Bible says from that day, manna stopped. 
To pray for manna after that there is a waste of prayer point because God is not going to answer it. It simply means from this day forward, what God expected from them is for them to plant, to learn irrigation, to learn harvesting, to learn fertilization, to learn the preservation of what they have harvested. To keep praying for God to feed them supernaturally at this point will be irresponsibility. But you know what many of us do as believers? We expect God to consistently provide for us miraculously and supernaturally. Now, there are times when God wants to take you to a level or to another level. Or when you are going through a season or a wilderness experience. You hear that word again, wilderness experience. That is when things are not working the way it's supposed to be seen. Let me tell you this. A miracle is God's bailout system for bringing into your life that which is supposed to be normal. So it is not supposed to be that every day you are always in need of miracle. I think it was in April. I was talking about living a life of sound health. And I told us that living in sound health is better than receiving healing. But you know the average believer when he, you know, say, oh, somebody is sick here. You lay hands, the person falls down and say, ah, I can now see. It looks more supernatural. But let me tell you this. Living in sound health is better. If you are living in a better way than the person that just received healing. But you know, when somebody comes out, or somebody says, oh, I just received healing, it looks more spectacular. So we think it is more powerful. No, it is not. No, it is not. So you and I need to realize that God wants us to get to a level whereby we can put his principles to work, and every time we need a supply in any area of our lives, we know what to do to provoke that supply. That's why it is the children of Israel that kept complaining. Oh, we need food. Oh, we need water. Moses never did that. Why? Because Moses understood the principles of God. And that's what the Bible says. God made his ways known unto Moses, but his acts unto the children of Israel. I would rather know the ways of God than know his acts. Because when you know his ways, I'm going to think very soon. I thought about it many years ago. I think like five, six years ago now. You see, I'm going to teach you again very soon on how to create your own miracles. The message I'm going to, the messages I'm going to be teaching in this series, that message, you know, I've written the note for the message since 2015 in this series. I'm going to teach on how God cancels debt. So if there's anybody in this house who are going through indebtedness, this month is the end of that indebtedness in the name of Jesus. So you and I need to understand that there is a better way, there is a higher life. There is a higher life. The fact that you have been used to something all your life does not mean that is the only way to live. No, it is not. No, it is not. And that's why the Bible says money is a defense. It will defend you from shame, defend you from insult, defend you from sickness, defend you from so many things. In fact, defend you from captivity. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I will explain that some other time. I asked us on Sunday, what do you believe about money? Because what you believe about money will go a long way in determining if you will ever have it. But to determine if you will ever have more than enough of it. Remember, we are talking about financial abundance. Not just having enough, but abundance. And God doesn't just want your needs to be met. God wants you to have abundance. Abundance. I said some reasons why some people don't have money and may never have it. You said number one, because they've not decided to have it. Number two, because they have mentally programmed themselves to attract poverty. I explained all this in depth on Sunday, so please get the message and listen to it. Number three, we said because they don't know how money comes. They don't know how money comes. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 15, the Bible says, The labor of the foolish wearies every one of them because he does not know how to go into the city. 
Number four, reason why people don't have money and some most never have it is because they are not humble enough to do whatever it takes to get the money. They are not humble enough to do whatever it legally takes. I think I need to add that. Legally and ethically takes. Some people see someone or they have someone in their circle of influence who they are older than. But they say, he's my, my younger brother's mates. I cannot be asking him. Really, you die with your poverty. Because you're not humble enough to ask questions, to find out what is required. They would rather stay with the age, bragging rights. Do you know my age? Who cares about your age? One of the things that delivered me from this age, I've told us a couple of times, was when I was very young. I can't remember till date. I've tried to remember. I've still not been able to conversation we were having that evening there was no light it was during the abacha regime many years ago so we're having a conversation in the city room you know everywhere was dark and i can't remember what the conversation was about but you know one thing i remember was one of my sisters was trying to you know superimpose their authority over me like you know i'm the elder sister and my dad responded from somewhere in the dark <laughs> He said it in a dialect and he now translated into English. He said, Jori. And he said it in English. He said, The age of Methuselah has nothing to do with the wisdom of Solomon. So the fact that you are old, the only thing we know about Methuselah was that he was old. No life of impact and relevance. None. The only thing we know is that he was the oldest. But you know, that's why some people live their life. They know someone that is doing well. But they think it is, ah, I will now be asking. Don't ask. It's the reason why a lot of people are poor. Pride. Let me tell you this. Oftentimes, when you see what is pride, the unwillingness to do what is needed for you to get out of where you are, the unwillingness to ask the questions that needs to be asked in order for you to get out of where you are. The other reason why some don't have, I mean, never, is because they haven't come to accept that they deserve to have money and lots of it. Let me tell you this. As a child of God, you deserve the best. I want you to say it after me. Say, I deserve the best. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say, I deserve the best. Deserve the best. I deserve the best. Because the Bible says that the profit of the earth is for all, not for some. It's for all. So if I'm part of the all, the profit of the earth. I'm part of the candidates of the profit of the earth. The best of the earth belongs to me. The best of the earth belongs to me. In my industry, the best of clients, the best of opportunities, the best of relationships. So you must get to that point where you must accept that you deserve to have money. It is your heritage. It is your right. It is part of your covenant provision. Remember Revelations 5 and verse 12. We dealt with that extensively in the month of April. He said, what is the lamb that was slain to receive for us? One of the things he received for us was riches. And he's not talking about spiritual riches. Because as believers sometimes, church people, there's a way you can spiritualize everything. So he's Riches is riches. He said he was slain to receive for us power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor, glory and blessing. So if he has received it, what do I need to do to walk in the reality of it? That is what this month is all about. Number six, the reason why many don't have it and may never have it is because they erroneously believe that having a lot of money will contaminate their spirituality. Somewhere at the back of their mind, some people just believe, ah, take the whole world. 
and give me Jesus. Who told you that if you have abundance, you will lose Jesus? If I let me tell you this, it's not having enough that can make you lose Jesus. Because when you should be serving him, you'll be running up and down, hustling, trying to make body and spirit. How do people even say it? Huh? Trying to what? I don't even know how they say it again. Put what? Body and body and, huh? soul and body together. As if their soul has left their body. But when you are okay, you you see, you will love God more. Go and check it. Everyone that served God well in scriptures, they were people of means. Go and check it. Solomon, God said he was his friend. Abraham, a friend of God. David, whose desire was to build God a temple, but God said, I know there's so much blood on your hands, you will not build it. He said, hey, I can't be no problem. I will provide for it. We're not broke people. Ah, I refuse to be broke. <laughs> I refuse to be poor. Oh, I refuse it. It's not in my heritage. When I look at the life of the patriarch, there is nobody that was poor. I'm afraid it's a major. Who do I want to look like? That's what it means. In my language. Who do I want to look like? You see, that's the way you must think as a believer. Let the Bible inform your ideologies. Let it inform your thinking. Who do I want to look like? <laughs> like Abraham? Oh, the Bible says he was rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. The Bible says, and the Lord has blessed him in all things. It simply means there was no area of Abraham's life where you look and say, oh, pfft. The Bible says in all things, I'm blessing all things. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm blessing all things. Genesis 24 and verse 1, that's the scripture. That would be my testimony. And the Lord has blessed him in all things. Oh, that's my testimony. And Abraham was old and was strictly in age. And the Lord had blessed him in all things. Bless him in all things. He was blessed with good age. Old age. You know, for many people, the older they grow, the poorer they become. I hope you know. Globally. It's not a Nigerian thing. Globally. Because for many people, the moment they stop going to work, that's the end. They become dependent. That will not be your portion. In the name of Jesus. In your old age, you will be buying houses for your grandchildren. Giving properties as gifts. In the name of Jesus. You will redefine the story of your family financially. The things no one has been able to do, you will start doing it. In the name of Jesus. Number seven, many don't have and may never have it. Because they pretend they don't need it. They pretend. They pretend. They are thinking about it, but they act like they don't need it. That's why the people that can help them, they don't even talk to them about it. I don't want them to feel like if I didn't know what. Do you have it? So why the pretense? Oh, nobody's saying you should announce on the mountaintop and say, oh, I don't have money, who can help? Mm-mm-mm. That's not what we're saying. But if you don't have it, don't pretend like you do. Don't. Don't be part of the generation of perception management. Fake it until you make it. You may never make it. You go for a party. You size up all the cars. You left your own car that brought you. Now I went to snap picture with somebody else's car. We already know it's not your car. You know why? Because whatever is normal to you, you don't flaunt. The people who really own the cars, they don't post it online. So that's how we know. And we also said that the reason why some don't have it and may never have it 
mention the fact that they are constantly surrounded by people who don't have money. You see, this one might sound like an indictment on some of us, but you need to pay attention to it. Some things will not come into your life until you are surrounded with the people that those things are normal to. See, whatever is normal in your circle of influence will be normal to you also. It's a matter of time. You will always rise up or fall below or fall to the level of your association. The scriptural principle. Everything God wants to do in your life, he will do through people. Everything the devil wants to do in your life, he will also do through people. So if you're not sensitive with the relationships in your life, if everyone around you is poor, now like I said on Sunday, I'm not saying that you ditch your friends, all your friends, but if you realize that these ones, they don't even have any desire to break through financially in life, they are satisfied with Gen 2K. You know some people, that's their goal. To just size people up. At the time something like that was happening in our church sometimes last year, I had to address it from the altar. A funny fellow, targeting people. He just, I just started hearing him. Collector from this church, ah, no, 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 not in gateway. That's not an acceptable culture. We don't do that here. It's a different thing if you don't have, we will teach you, we will help. But to now be, ah, no, 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 no. We let people at the car park. That's not acceptable. And when people begin to behave like that, you have already resigned to faith that you can't be better than this. That's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. Remember we said there are different types of intelligence. And for this month, our focus is on financial intelligence. The Bible talks about a particular man was poor, but he was a wise man. Scripture says, that's in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 14 to 15. The Bible says the man through his wisdom, he delivered his city. However, the Bible says, unfortunately, people forgot this man after they had gotten their victory. The Bible says, and no one remembered that same poor man. The message translation says that he was promptly forgotten. He was only a poor man after all. It was only means there was nothing to remember about him. What do you want to remember about him? The problem of the old man was that he lacked financial intelligence. He lacked financial intelligence. And we said the greatest money principle. This was what we started on Sunday. The greatest money principle, which was the, for, um, the topic on Sunday, right in this series, we said is the principle of honor. Somebody say honor. honor. Oh, I can't hear you say honor. Until you understand this principle, nothing else matters. Nothing else what? Nothing else matters. It's the foundation of all financial intelligence. Because one thing I've come to realize is this. If you don't honor God by designing your finances, you will honor the devil and mammon by default. The only thing God compared himself to in scripture, he didn't compare himself to the devil, is mammon. What is mammon? The God of money. He said you cannot serve God and mammon. He didn't say you can't serve God and the devil. Because the devil is a created being. But he said another thing that will try to take my place in your life is mammon. 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 And you see, as a human being, you will always honor. Always. You will never be in a state in your life where you are not honoring someone. 
That's what the Bible says, Joshua speaking. He said, choose this day whom you will serve. Because if you don't choose by yourself, life will choose for you. And one of the things you need to understand about honor, if I, beyond finances, please understand it, learn it, and learn a great principle of destiny. Honor is not self-defined. Am I making sense? Honor is recipient defined. Repeat it after me. Say, honor is not self-defined. It is recipient defined. What that simply means is when you want to honor someone or you want to honor a personality and in this context, God, you don't determine how you honor God. God will tell you how you honor him. That's what the Bible also tells us. It says, honor your father and your mother. He says that it may be well with you. So it simply means if you don't honor your parents, no matter what you do, it can't be well with you. I'm going to get to that also in the month. Some don't like to hear that. Oh, but as we talk about the practical side, we also talk about the biblical, you know, it's biblical strategy for financial abundance. So there will be a serious balance. Honor. Honor. If you, if you understand this principle of honor, your life will be very sweet. Trust me. Trust me. You know, <clears throat> so, we mentioned in Genesis chapter 4, please let's go there, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 to 7. Because somebody can begin to ask, how do I honor God? How? <clears throat> God has not left himself without a witness. So, if we said honor is recipient defined, it simply means God already told the man from the beginning how to honor him. The Bible says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse 3, and in process of time, it came to pass, that came brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. And Cain was wroth. That simply means very angry in old English. And his countenance fell. He could not even hide his feelings. <laughs> and the Lord said unto Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance falling? If you have done well, won't you be accepted? Please go to the next verse. And if you do not well, sin lies at your door. And unto you shall be his desire. And thou shall have rule over him. What God was trying to say is this. If you don't learn how to behave well, you will soon fall into error. You know why a lot of believers attack kingdom principles? Because they don't do it the way they are supposed to do it. So eventually, they become offended. Let them tell you this. Go and research it. Everyone that is a Christian, ah, uh, that is attacking biblical principles, ah, uh, is out of offense. Go and check it. In fact, the ones that are not Christians that you don't know are Christians, go and check it. They used to be church people. But they felt they could do things their own way. When you pay attention to what happened, they go to verse 3, I think it's verse 4, or verse 4, go to verse 4 again. The Bible says in the process of time, right, <clears throat> Abel brought up the firstlings. Go to verse 3. Go to verse 3. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought up the fruit of the ground and offered unto the Lord. So they both brought. 
But the difference was that Abel brought first, first, first. The Bible never had told us that Cain brought first. He just brought. We know that he brought. And the Bible says God rejected it. Because to God, honor is I must be first. Let me tell you something about God. Is he that first or he has no place? That's why when people say things like, you know, um, <laughs> I cannot live without you. They are saying it as a romantic statement. A believer should have a better understanding. I say it, and my wife knows, and she says the same thing. I can, the only person I can live without in this life is God. Any human being should not take that place. You know what? Every man can be replaced. It's only God that cannot be replaced. We have assumed the ideologies of the world and turned it to be normal. Oh, I cannot live without you. That is idolatry. Oh, so, someone even sang years ago, said, if you leave me now, you take away the deepest part of me. Really? The deepest, <laughs> the deepest part of you. Wow. What error. So God said, if you have done well, wouldn't you have been accepted? It simply means the only way to do well is to do what I told you to do. It's just like you writing an examination. You have read so much. So when you got into the examination hall, the places you read did not come out. And you said, I need to show this lecturer I read. So you set your own question and you write your own answer. And when the result comes out, you are angry. In fact, you are so bold that you go into the lecturer's office. That what do you mean? How can I get 20 over 100? Can't you see what I wrote? Are the answers to the question not correct? The question we ask you, who set the question? You say, me of course. Is it not part of what I told you taught us? He will tell you, when you set your question, you mark the answer yourself. Because that's not the question I set for you. As believers and as humans, and let me tell you this, this principle of honor is not a function of Christianity. You will see very soon. It's not. It's not a function of Christianity. Because it's the principle that started from the Garden of Eden. See, as believers, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but let me say this here. You are not uh, the owner of anything God has given you. You only have access. Adam and Eve did not understand that. When God made man, he put man in a place called Eden. And he told them, of everything in this garden, you may freely eat. That is, you have access. He said, but of this particular tree, you shall not touch it. He says, but the day you touch it, that day you shall surely die. Who was God? Because if something is your own, can't you do anything you like with it? So God was trying to make them understand, you only have access, it is not yours. Eden is not yours, Eden is still mine. But I've given you authority over Eden. And the way to consistently establish that it belongs to me, is every time you see that tree, you know it's a no-go area. You know what the devil did? He ensured that it was that same tree. He left all the tree in Eden and said, it is this one you must eat of. Haven't you noticed that there is no attack about any other thing when it comes to church and kingdom finances except the tithe? It's the same Eden happening all over again. Oh, nobody tells you, nobody attacks the fact that you should give to your parents. Nobody attacks the fact that you should save. Because like I've told us several times, saving is as spiritual as what? As tithing. And we're going to talk about that also during the course of the month. So nobody attacks all those. It is that ownership thing that the devil is... Re- See, the devil doesn't have any new strategy. It's the same thing he repeats over the years. 
The same thing he told the first Adam is the same thing he told the last Adam, Jesus. Turn these stones into bread. It is not enough that God said you are the son of God. Prove it. Show off. <laughs> but thank God Jesus was smarter. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. You know what he told him? He said, ah, it's the day you hit off this tree that you become like God. Genesis 1, 26, God says, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness. Question is, who were they like already? Like God. But the, the devil said, it's not enough for God to say it. It's when you eat it. Not knowing that it's when they eat it, they will become like the devil himself. It will not have to see. What the devil is after is that honor thing. That honor. That honor. It won't attack every other thing. It didn't touch the mango tree in Eden. It didn't touch pineapple. We don't know what type of tree. But it was that one that God said you shall not touch. It's that one that said you must touch it. And one thing about God is this. You see, when you look at the story of Elijah... Many of us will remember that Elijah, when God sent him to a woman, um, um, a widow of Zarephath. You know, the first thing Elijah told the woman to do was not to make for him bread. Go and read the story. He said, give me water. The woman didn't question. She was, ah, he said, this woman, <laughs> there is no demand here. He said, come back. So what do you say? Ah, the, what we have is the last meal. If you read that passage of scripture, we just don't have the time tonight. Elijah said, make for me first. <laughs> he didn't just say make for me. He said first. Oh, it is the last. Yes, I know. But make my own first. First. He said, when you do that, you will realize that during the farming, God will take care of you. The woman was foolish enough to believe. And that was exactly what happened. Make for me first. You see, every time you see an instruction in scripture where first appears, pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. Nothing else you do matters if you ignore what is supposed to be first. In God's equation. Nothing else matters. And let me tell you this, the principle of honor is the principle of the tithe. And tithe is more than 10%. Because that's why I said that tithing is not a Christianity thing. Because in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were not Christians. They were human beings. Cain and Abel were not Christians. I hope you know. Oh, you don't know? They were not Christians. Were they Christians? Nobody was referred to as a Christian until Jesus came, died, and resurrected. The Bible says when they saw the disciples, they said, ah, these ones, they have been with Jesus. They are like Christians. They are like little Christ." That's what Christians mean, little Christ. So the principle of honoring God. See, that's why let me tell you this. There are some people, no matter how much you say some things, they will not join you. Even some unbelievers, because they practice this principle of honor. They may not come out to tell you, but let me tell you this. There are people who practice it religiously. Mm. I gave an illustration on Sunday. For those of us that miss it, let me give that illustration again. So, you are watching Man U and Man City. That's what they say to people that played on Saturday, right? If I remember correctly. So, why were you watching Man U and Man City? Your parents came visiting. They said, Ah, oh, Daddy, welcome, welcome. You did not even remember to greet them. They said, Ah, oh, Daddy, good to see you. And you continue to watch Man City and Man U. After the match finished, you now went. For instance, I'm a Yoruba boy. You now went as a good Yoruba boy. You prostrated. You are welcome. Will your parents be happy with you? 
Why? Huh? You didn't honor them. But you prostrated. You didn't do it at the right time. Because honor is not what you do, it is when you do it. So I say, oh, but God, I do this. I do. Uh-huh. It's not what you did, it's when did you do it? That's why some things can never fall into the bracket of honor, even when it is done right. If it is done as an afterthought, it is no longer honor. If it is an afterthought, then it is no longer honor. In Agai chapter 1 and verse 2 to 10, let's see that scripture on the screen, we'll read it together. Agai chapter 1 verse 2 to 10, some of the scripture I just, you know, quoted them on Sunday, but it's midweek recharge, so we need to see it. So that, you know, the Bible talks about you not being, you being able to give a response to the things you believe. Because some people too, like I said on Sunday, we're not talking about this, or I'm not teaching this simply because we want people to start tithing in the Gateway Church. In fact, the Gateway Church is one of the most generous church. I can tell you that. Because I have pastor friends. And it's a good place to clap. Especially if you're a generous person. If you're a tither in the house, and if you're a partner, it's a good place to celebrate yourself. And to celebrate every other partner and tither. So, I'm not teaching on this because, but I'm teaching on it so that if you're already doing it, we have an understanding of what you are doing. Some people say, oh, if you don't tithe, God will curse you. It's not true. It's not true. And I will show you very soon. However, <laughs> let me leave that. We get there. It says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, Can we read together? These people say, The time what? Can see that timing again. The time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. He says, Then came the word of the Lord by Agai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell? In your sealed houses. And this house lie waste. Now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts. Consider your ways. You have sown much and bringing little. You eat but you have not enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you. But there is not warm. And he that earns wages. Earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. That's what happens when it seems as if. Even though the salary is increasing. It is never enough. So thus says the Lord of us, consider your ways. He says, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. He says, and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much and lo, it came to little. When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, says the Lord of us, because my house is in waste, right? And you, keep going, run every man to his own house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from our fruits. That's a closed heaven. God didn't say you didn't give. He didn't say, he said, but you said it is not time to do my own thing. It's not time. This is our own time. <laughs> you know, one of these days I'm going to teach on um, how to serve God acceptably. Do you know that even in scripture, there is an age bracket in the Old Testament, that God said people should join the service of his house. Go check it. It's in your Bible. He said, if you don't join the service of the temple between age 20 and 45, or maybe 50 thereabouts, so you are really of no value. It's in the Bible. 
At a point, you now began to put monetary value on it. It's the highest value God put on service is people in their youthful age. The moment you are in your old age, I think he said 15 shekels. If you are in the youthful age, between 15 and 45, he said, the, or maybe 50, I think it's 50. He said, the value is like 50 shekels. 50 shekels to 15 shekels. Because it's not about when you serve him. It's, about, it's not about you serving him. It's about when. God is more important. He's, he's more concerned with the timing. Because the timing is the honor. That's why in Proverbs 3 and verse 9 to 10. It says, honor the Lord with your substance. And with the first. Please go there. Proverbs 3 verse 9. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9. Can you see it? It says, honor the Lord with your substance. And with what? The first fruit of your increase. He says, so shall your bands be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst forth even with new wine. So you can't separate honor from first. You can't. In Malachi 1 and verse 6, if you can have that also, Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6. He says, a son honors his father. And his servant is master. He says, if I be a father, where is what? Where is my honor? That's what God is asking for. He says, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of us. Unto you, O priest, that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised your name? Hmm. Malachi 3 verse 7 to 8. Let's have that, have that also. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 7 to 8. He says, even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinance and have not kept them. He says, return unto me and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, where shall we return? Will a man rob God? Now, the rob God here, let me explain. It's not that you see God and you say, answer up God. No, 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 no. The original translation says that you have robbed God of the opportunity. That's what it means. Not that you rob God or you dispossess God. So he says, will a man rob God? He says, yet have, have we robbed him? He says, but you say, wherein have we robbed him? He said, in tithes and in offering. You see that he did not put offering before tithes. Because about the first. Also, but you see a lot of people, they can give to anything. But their tithe is never complete. In fact, it's always missing. It is not honor. It's not So we must realize that the tithe is God's honor in our finances. Never forget that. Leviticus 27 and verse 30. It says, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree. He says, it is the Lord's and it is holy unto the Lord. In Malachi chapter 3, let's stay on that chapter 3. Go to verse 7. There's something I want to show us. Because someone can say, oh, there's, there's a lot of misconception I've even heard years ago. <laughs> and it always amazes me because God, like I said, has never left himself without the witness. There's nothing confusing about the Christian faith and God's standard. You only need somebody to confuse you. Verse 7, it says, even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinance and have not kept them. So return unto me, I was... I, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you have said, keep go to, please go to verse um, 11. Go to verse 11. It says, uh, uh, no, 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 not verse um, Go to verse 9. Let's start from verse 9. Let's start from verse 9. Sorry. 
Now, he says, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10. He says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. And prove me now here with, says the Lord of hosts. Now, the only time God uses this language in scripture is in the principle of the honor. The principle of the tithe. He says, prove me now. He says, I will open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, remember in a guy, what did he say? He said, the heaven is stayed from due. But here he's saying, I will open the windows of heaven. What does that simply mean? It simply means one of the things that tithing does is that it opens the heavens over your life. Now, the question I want to answer here is, because sometimes people say, oh, fantastic, I tithe. But me, what I do is I give my tithes to the poor. I take it to the leposorium. I take it to orphanages. You are wrong. It says you bring the site into the storehouse. What qualifies as a storehouse? Please write this down. Because there are people who are trying to do the right thing the wrong way. And so no, me, I, I give it to the less privileged. <laughs> less privileged. The first time, let me, I'm still going to define it, but please listen to what I'm about to say. The first time the tithe was mentioned, that word, the principle has always existed in scripture, but the first time it was mentioned, right, it was given to God. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Melchizedek, the Bible says, after Abraham fought the war, the Bible says he met with Melchizedek. And now the Bible describes Melchizedek, he said he's the king of a place called Salem. Salem means peace. How did the Bible describe um, Jesus? The prince of peace. And he says that he's a king that nobody knew his beginning. Nobody knew his end. Melchizedek just showed up. Nobody knew anything about him. There is something in theology called Christophany. It simply means the appearance of Christ in the Old Testament before he came in bodily form. Melchizedek is one of the manifestations of Christ. Because the Bible says that when Abraham showed up, right, Melchizedek showed up also with what? Bread and wine. Indicative of the communion, right? His death and his burial. And the communion never came into effect until after the death and the burial of Christ. Can we get what I'm saying tonight? And so when he brought the tithe, Abraham, the Bible says when he brought the tithe of the spoil of the war, the Bible says Abraham blessed him. I'm sorry, Melchizedek blessed him. He blessed him. Now, the question is, why did he bless him? Why? Why? Because it's very important. Those are the questions I want to answer tonight. Now, please write this down. What qualifies as a storehouse? Because the Bible says to bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is your place of primary spiritual nourishment. The storehouse is your place of primary spiritual nourishment that is committed to the salvation of souls and the transformation of lives. Never forget that. That's the storehouse. So the storehouse is not where they are caring for people. No, 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 no. Or maybe there's a course, you know. I, I love this course, so they are really helping people. It is not a storehouse. No, it is not. The storehouse is your place of primary spiritual nourishment that is committed to the salvation of souls and the transformation of lives. I remember years ago, I had somebody say, ah, I took my I took it to a book, Christian bookshop, and I bought very fantastic Christian literatures. <laughs> I said, Ah, bookshop has become storehouse. Amazing. Some people, their own is prison. Say, I have an outreach ministry to the prison. 
So I take my tithe there. I give it to those kind of people because I love what they are doing. You have not tithed, you have simply given. And it's a good thing to do. He said, because we are the descendants of Levites. <laughs> but let me tell you this. In case there is somebody watching online or here, and maybe you have a calling to ministry. See, God also gave the Levites an instruction. I think that's in Numbers 18 and verse 21. No, no, no. Numbers 18, 26. He says, don't speak unto the Levites and say, when you take of the children of, the, um, of Israel, tithes which I have given you from them for your inheritance. He says, then you shall offer up an Eve offering of it for the Lord. Even a tenth part of the tithe. So it simply means even what comes to you as a Levite, you tithe it. So you get somebody saying, Levites don't tithe. You are in error. Please understand this about the tithe. Three things you need to understand. Number one, the tithe is a test of honor. Who is God to you? How important is God to you? What is God's place and position in your life? Because the tithe, that's the first thing it is. It is a test of honor. Number two, it is a test of trust. Because it takes trust in God. (laughs) What did I say? It takes trust in God. Somebody can't, you see, the thing about the Christian faith and Christian principles is this. You don't try it. I hear what I'm saying. Some people say, let me even try it for one month and see what God will do. You do it by faith. You don't try it. There are two different things. When you are trying something, there is no trust. You just want to say, let me see if it will work. If it does not work. You have already created an escape route for yourself. And in case this thing does not work, well, I'll go back to my normal life. Tithing, the tithe is a test of trust. Do you trust God enough that his blessing upon the 90% will make what you have better than the unblessed 100%? Do you trust him enough? The fourth thing you need to understand about the tithe is that it is a test of source. It is a test of source. Do you see God as the only one responsible for your supplies? Or do you believe your strategy and intelligence has brought you this far like the rich fool? Remember the rich fool? He said, oh, my ground has brought forth. You created the ground that brought forth. He said, now I will say to my soul. That's why God said, ah, oh God, you have missed it. When you said my crop, I didn't argue with you. My bands, like, you know, I said my soul. Don't worry, bring the soul and do the rest. <laughs> God can be humorous sometimes. He said, we now see who we possess all those things that you claim is yours. I'm about to get, delve into something very deep and I want you, if you've not been listening to me before now, please listen. I said earlier that in the kingdom you don't own anything. You are only giving access. Am I right? Do you hear that? The prodigal son, his problem was that he did not want access. He wanted ownership. And there are many prodigal believers. So God, I don't want access. It's my own. You can even hear it in the award. My. My. You know, for instance, as a member of the Gateway Church, you can say, oh, this is my church. You can never hear me say, I give Samuel. 
at the gateway church is my church. Never. Not by error or by mistake. Because it's not mine. Because mine is a language of possession. Except I'm ready to fight the gates of hell. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But you know, today all over the world, you hear my church. You know, in my church, people even possess, or in my choir, my usher, really? I don't know how people are not afraid. My, my leaders, <laughs> they are your, you died for them. Wow. Amazing. What you will hear me say is our gateway leaders. It can never drop out of my mouth anyhow. My leaders. My workers. Never. Not even in a sleepy or drowsy state. So you need to resolve that subject of ownership and access. But let me tell you something about God. When you understand access, he will give you access to all things. But when you want to behave ownership, that was what happened to the prodigal son. When the prodigal son said, I want my own, the father gave him. But he lost access. But the day he came back to his senses, I said, I don't want ownership anymore. I want access. Do you know what the father still had left? He still had access to it. He could still use it. May God give us understanding. So when God said to Adam and Eve to tend the garden, he literally didn't give them ownership. He only gave them access. And the thing about God's portion is that it is a, like a seed for the future. And every time you eat a fruit, don't you notice that the seed is always bitter? Have you seen any sweet seed before? It doesn't exist. So that's why when people take God's portion, see, it may not show immediately, but it will show eventually. Don't be deluded as I can say, oh, I know this person, this person does not tight. Life is too far. Years seems so far, but it is really not. 20 years. Ah, I've lived to know people that if they tell you this person can ever be broke, you will never believe it. You never cared about God's principle. What is it? We we, we have the money. Haven't you some people with multiple drivers who today have nothing to drive? What are the benefits of the tithe? The benefits of the tithe. And please listen to this very, very attentively. Number one is the activation of the Edenic blessing. We don't hear much about it again in the church. Edenic, just put IC behind Eden. See, the Edenic blessing came before the Abrahamic blessing. That's why when you read, what is the Edenic blessing? Let me just quickly get that out of the way. It is the original blessing God placed on man before man fell. So, what happened was when man fell, when he dishonored God, what he lost was the Edenic blessing. What was the blessing? Let's see, Genesis 1 and verse 26. Genesis 1 and verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Can we all read together one to go? And God said, let us make man in what? Our image. Afterward, our likeness. And let them what? Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. The Edenic blessing is the blessing of dominion. 
What is the blessing of dominion? The capacity to have everything on the earth respond to you. That's why Adam could name all the animals, both the one in the air, the one in the sea. Right? It was that same blessing. If you study the book of Genesis in the story of Noah, the Bible says that after Noah came out, right, of the ark, it was that same blessing God pronounced over him again. Because that was the blessing that was in operation. That was what made him, you know, to survive the flood. How did I know? Because Noah and his family were in the same ark with all the animals for days and the animals did not kill them. Because at that point, Noah was in charge. The animals saw them and for a moment, even though man had fallen, you see, the fear of man and the dominion of man was established over the wild animals such that everyone behaved themselves. Same thing happened when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. That dominion was established again. So what happens is that when man fell, what happened was that man lost that dominion. That's why you see that after Cain right, killed his brother, the Bible says he was running to and fro on the face of the earth. And he told God, this burden is too much for me. Everyone that sees me wants to kill me because he had lost that dominion. So what happens, the first thing you should expect, right, is the activation of the Edenic blessing. It simply means the capacity to dominate anywhere you find yourself. As a business person, as a career person, it is the ability to be the head and not the tail. That's why God said in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13, he says you shall be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And see, let me tell you this. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. I have eight things I want to share with us tonight, but if I can't get there, I'll continue on Sunday. I'm not in a rush. Let's read together. Can we? Are we ready? Want to go. Christ has redeemed us from what? The cause of the law. Being what? Being made a cause for us, for it is written, causes everyone that hangs on a tree. Let's stop there. So Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. But why is it that sometimes? Have you seen Christians sometimes that they cause and the cause happens? It's not a trick question. Yes or yes? So is it that Christ has not redeemed us from the cause of the law? What is the cause of the law? That's the question we should ask. The cause of the law did not come in the Garden of Eden. So the cause of the law is what Christ redeemed us from. The cause of the earth, Christ did not redeem man from it. What is the cause of the earth? When man fell, God said, the earth, the land shall be caused for your sake. That one, Christ didn't redeem you from it. What redeems you from it is that principle of honor. So when the Bible says in Malachi 3 and verse 9, when it says you are caused with a cause, it is here I'm going to cause you. It's the cause that is already on the earth that the same will have access into your life. God is not causing you. Not even say, hey, if, you, if you don't believe God, God will cause you. No, 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 no. It is the cause that is over mankind, over the earth, that will fight you. Because when you don't honor God, every other thing has dominion over you. And that one, you are not redeemed from me. That's what the Bible establishes it. Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. Not from all causes. That's why if somebody misbehaves, is that being redeemed from the cause of the law? You dishonor your parents. And they give you correct cause. Ah, huh? it will find effects. Because the Bible also says, a cause without cause shall not land. It means the one that has a reason. Oh my arrest man. It will rest very well. In fact, it will find correct footing. 
So the first benefit of the tithe principle is the activation of the Edenic blessing. The blessing is the cause for the cause of the earth. And that blessing comes. Malachi 3 and verse 10. Let's see. That's why Malachi 3 and verse 10. He didn't say, and God will give you blessings. Mm-mm. Let's have it again on the screen. Malachi 3 and verse 10. He says, bring you all the time to the stars that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now here, which says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out what? Singular. How many blessings did God say? Give man in Genesis 1 and verse 26. One. Let them have dominion. It was one. Is that same blessing he's talking about? Because when you have dominion, you have all things. That was what Jesus walked in. It was not a spirit. You see, Every time Jesus needed something, he had dominion to command it. They needed money, go catch a fish. He needed to get somewhere and there was no ship, walk on water. Now, Jesus didn't do all those things to show off. But every time anything seems to be a shortage in his life, that blessing ensured that he dominated that situation. Am I making sense tonight? Because as a believer, you must understand why you do what you do. So people say, oh, God will cause you. God does not. You think God is targeting you? How, how much is your time? How much is it? Then I say, ah, that guy just collected 500K salary. He didn't give me 50,000. I cost you. Or 50,000. No, 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 no. God does not have that kind of time. Like I've told us a couple of times, you see, God creates in place systems. It's just like a last month official. When a last month official catches you, it's on Wolu away. The governor of the God said, no, it's the system that ensures you pay for the consequence of your disobedience. So it's not the governor. So if you are trying to go, ah, governor, please help me. Come on and say, what are you talking about? I don't know you. But there's already a system in place. The second benefit. Hmm, I'm looking for which one to skip. It gives you confidence with God. The tithing principle, the principle of honor, it gives you confidence with God. And that confidence can only come from obedience. You know, when God said, you have robbed me, he said, oh, have we robbed you? Have we robbed you of the opportunity, like I said earlier, of blessing you? You see, when you know you are walking in disobedience, there is a measure of confidence you don't have. He says, you people, you say you have robbed me. Nobody, there is no thief that walks into anybody's house confidently except you are an assassin. Even thief, they are always very careful. So, if God says that you are robbing me, you can't have confidence. That's why there are some things. Let me tell you this. If you understand this principle of honor, that's why the Bible says, let us come boldly into the throne of grace. You should be able to stand confidently. And ask for anything. Why? Because you have done your part. You have played your part. So every other thing that you know that is God's responsibility, you have that confidence to come boldly into his presence and say, God, this must happen. That must happen. This is the reason why I want this in my life this time around. Because it agrees with your word and I've played my own part. Number three. It makes you a responsible citizen of the kingdom. A responsible king, 
citizen of the kingdom is a critical part of what God is doing on the earth. Unfortunately, we live in a time and a generation where there are so many Christians who are irresponsible citizens of the kingdom. Irresponsible. What do I mean by that? A lot of people today, they serve God. As I've said it several times, and I will say it until whoever listens and does not listen, I don't care. The right thing is the right thing. They'll say, oh, revival, revival. Yes, I know Nigeria is going through a revival. But you cannot tell me revival is a prayer meeting where we're asking God for visa and open door. That's not revival. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So in case you're also part of the confused, we better be unconfused now if there's any English like that. God wants to bless you, yes, but God does not exist to bless you. He said, these people have I formed for myself. They will show forth my praise. God exists for himself and he created you for himself, not the other way around. It doesn't exist for you. The way many believers see God is like a genie. Remember Aladdin? You rob God. Your wish is my command. You have three wishes. And many of us, we don't even think three wishes. We think unlimited wishes. Once I just rob God, I rob him. <laughs> he just gives me whatever I desire. No, 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 no. When you give your tithe, one of the things that he does, because it says in Malachi 3.10, it says, when you bring the tithe into the storehouse, he says, there will be meat in my house. So what that simply means is that, <clears throat> when you, as a responsible believer, let's, let's, let's use a natural standpoint now, illustration. You are, when you are a part of an earthly nation, right? Earthly kingdom. You drive on a road, isn't it? You go to some schools. In a normal environment, you go to hospitals. In fact, in some environments, the government pays for your wedding. I hope you know there are some countries like that. In the UAE, as a citizen, the government pays for your wedding. They pay for your school till you graduate. If you want to do masters, the government pays for it. However, some can say, wow, awesome. I want to relocate to the UAE. This is the question. That road, good road you are driving on, where did the money come from? Some responsible citizens paid for it. And it's called what? Tax. In the same way in the kingdom, the church of God is like the embassy of God's kingdom on the earth. And as a believer, we are God's hand, we are his feet. Everything God wants to do on on the earth, the agenda he wants to carry out, he will carry it out through you and I. So, when we give our tithe, when the ushers collect it and we provide it, they don't take it into a room and say, offer! (laughs) And it just disappears and goes to heaven. No. The Bible says, bring the tithe into it. There is nothing mysterious about it. It says that there may be meat in my house. That word meat is not shakiedo. No, 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 no. He's talking about that there may be treasures. That's how some translation puts it. That there may be resources. You know the reason why the church in this generation seems to be weaker? Because the world system is becoming stronger in resource than the church. There was a time, many of us, if you are between ages maybe 35 and above, most likely you or your parents went to Christian schools. Most of the generation of our parents went to Christian schools. Missionaries came and built those schools. Where did the missionaries get the money? Some people 
human beings gave to ensure that missionaries had nothing to do but to just preach Christ, build school, good schools, build hospitals. So when you come to church, the chair you sit down on, somebody paid for it. I hear what I'm saying. Right now in the auditorium, you are not sweating. The AC, that's the meat in the house. The equipment, that's the meat in the house. I can preach tonight without microphone. But most likely after the service. How are you? <laughs> so the microphone is part of the meat. That God is saying, let there be meat resources in my house. So one of the benefits is also that you are a part of what God is doing on the earth. One of my own greatest desire, and I'm trusting God for the resource, is to go into entertainment. Not personally, but to resource that industry. Because let me tell you this, one of the ways the devil is taking over this generation is entertainment. Many of our music videos today is pornography. It's almost difficult today to watch a movie. It has even come into night before it was Hollywood movie. Now Nigerian movie too are promoting the LGBT movement. I was having a conversation, I think it was with Mr. Larry and her husband on Sunday. I was talking about how they saw how a company, let us not mention it because we are alive, as a percentage. Some of us we are wearing the clothes of that company in Nigeria. So I think I also have one of their products. A percentage of their products goes into supporting LGBT movement. And they are not hiding it. You go to the organization, it is there. So they go to universities. And they support. They even, they give money to them. So as a student, you are hungry. You go to the LGBT community, they give you food. So before you know it, you will ask, these people, they are not, they are not that bad now. So your tolerance level drops. Before you know it, it becomes acceptable. A lifestyle you, found, you once found repulsive. You now found it tolerable. So as believers, we need to understand God doesn't exist for us. We exist for him. And part of the reason we exist for him, part of the ways we exist for him, is to find out what he wants to do on the earth and be a part of it. And you know one thing I've realized? You cannot be a channel through which water is flowing and be a dry pipe. It's not possible. I can tell you it's one of the secrets of my family for seven years now. When we discovered it, every time there is a project in church or any of our mentors wants to do something and we make up our mind we want to give to it, money always comes. And it's always more than what we plan to give. It just always comes. So I learned that secret. Ah, so this is how it works. If it flows through you, it will always channel it through you. But most importantly, as I round up tonight, more than your money, God wants you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why he said, my child, my son. He said, give me your heart. That's Proverbs 23 and verse 26. He says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Romans 12 and verse 1, he says, I beseech you, brethren. He says, by the message of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Only acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Because when you give him your life, everything that has to do with you becomes his. Let's rise up on our feet tonight.